You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Well, welcome. If, you, if I've not met you yet, I'm, my name is Jerem, one of the pastors here on the staff of the Shore Church. And, and again, it is Advent season. What a good time of celebration. And we get, you know, cookies right? Cookies. And we're talking about discipleship, and we're almost to the close of our discipleship time. You know, you get these cookies that come out in this time of season, which is phenomenal time, and, and, uh, and we're in this discipleship series, right? Like, we're about nine weeks in. We're, we're talking about all kinds of things, like the attributes of God, assurance of salvation, and this has been such a journey for me as I've been walking through the text of Scripture. These are foundational points, as I've said over these last nine weeks-ish. These are foundational points of the Christian faith. Uh, we talk about God, who He is, and His amazing attributes, and then we talk about His Word, and we talk about prayer, the allowance to actually respond to Him in His Word, and, and then we talked about things that now we step into, like, like fleeing away from temptation and witnessing, declaring and proclaiming the good news of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and, and today is no different. It's a, on obedience, on obedience, and sometimes there's, a, there's little things in this step of obedience, which Man, I need these foundational points in my life, and I, and I know you need them as well. In the simplest moments, right? In the simplest times of obedience, like in the season of Christmas. My daughters made cookies this week. And then they say, Dad, you can't eat them. I don't know if you guys have ever watched like a war movie or have heard of, about this before, but it says, you know, the rules of engagement, you don't fire unless you're fired upon. We've heard this before. This is a, when you put cookies in November, Christmas is a long ways away, and then you say you can't eat them, that's the first shot, I'm sorry to say. That's the first, you have already engaged me, so now I can engage by eating your cookies. Uh, but joking aside, I know these cookies are for you and they're for me when you come over and we celebrate and we, we rejoice. And Mark, why don't you ca- grab a cookie if you like? Uh, like it, it's, about, it's about celebrating what Jesus has done. But there's obedience, right? There, there's obedience. Now that's what we're going to talk about today. But reminding us a little bit about what happened last week, like joking aside, we talked about temptation. And temptation is one of those things that we have to talk about before we end up talking about obedience. And temptation is a reminder, is like lust of the flesh, pride of life, lust of the eyes. And I spent some time talking about Jesus in the desert and how these three temptations come upon us. And they've come upon us all the way back from all the way back to Adam and Eve. Like lust of the eyes, right? What did Satan tempt Adam and Eve with? He said, look, the fruit is pleasing to eat. The very fruit that God said not to eat, lust of the eyes. The pride of life, you will know, you, your, your status, you will know what God knows. It's a temptation of elevation, a pride of life, I will be equal to God. And also lust of the flesh, right? We, we draw near, it's a, it's a changing of identity. It's like you will be equal, you will, you will have a new identity, you will be different than what you are right now. It's a temptation. We all face this, right? And I mentioned Romans uh, 7.15, which says, uh, like, the, the draw of temptation 
right? And it's so powerful when Paul says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. See, temptation is not the sin, but it does allure and entice us, doesn't it? Towards sinful behavior. In church, we are called, we're called, which means we're commanded to obedience. And this is not an easy task. To obey, we will need to rely on the Holy Spirit, His love, His power, His faithfulness. And so today, today as we discuss obedience, I want to give you the big idea right away. Okay, the big idea right away. And it's key to understand this. Obedience does not come first. Faith in the Word of God comes first. This is eternal. Past, present, and future is God's Word. He speaks it. He is first. And so faith in His Word comes, and out of faith roots obedience. And then out of obedience produces fruit. Okay, so that... that Motion that, that direction is incredibly important. That's why I want to give it to you right at the start. Faith comes by hearing of the word of God. Obedience is rooted out of that faith, and fruit comes from that. Fruit comes from that. And so one author put it this way, believing ourselves, believing ourselves wise or perfect apart from the obedience to God, like if you take the word of God out, is the great sin of the human heart. So in other words, apart from God, we are foolish and broken. And we will see this in the context of Scripture this morning. I know. I know. It's hard. See, I'm looking at the cookies and I want to cry with you. Uh, so obedience. So let's pray. Because we're going to con continue to talk through this. So let's pray and then we'll jump in even deeper. So Lord, help us. Fill us with your spirit now. Remind us of your goodness, of what we've heard in your word, and help us in the river of life just draw out the things that are, our sustenance comes from you. And may we walk now out of that faith, walk in obedience to what you've called us through, throughout your word. And I pray for a deepened faith in your word that our foundations will be set on you. And so we thank you for your assurance. We thank you for your attributes. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the allowance to pray, to call us to a spirit-filled life, to call us to different living. And now help us be obedient in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So the outline for this morning is on the screen. It says, what can we expect from disobeying God? And what can we expect from obeying God? And then now what? Some practical things that I want to show you and remind you of that we've been talking about practical things for the last nine weeks, right? La last nine weeks. So what I'm going to do, is gonna, it's, this is going to be a little bit of a different Sunday. I've got this whiteboard here back here. I love, if you don't know me yet, I love whiteboards, all right? So we're going to move this whiteboard. It's going to be, like, like I said, it's oh, I was so good. Corey saw me. I, I moved the whole pulpit and it didn't drop last time. So I'm going to invite Eleanor up here. Eleanor is going to grab that microphone on the, on the floor. No, just stay, you can stay down there. I'm going to come join you. And we're going to read together. It's on the screen. But we're going to read Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6 together. So Eleanor, would you read that for us, please? Yeah, flick that thing up there. 
Okay, you're going to learn some things from me that I am a really good artist. All right, like, thank you. We've got some artists in the room, I know. There's no way you can beat this. All right, so desert shrub, right? So desert shrub in, like, this is going to be a different Sunday. All right, welcome. All right, so desert shrub in the, in the, in the desert. We got a little bit of a shrub. What do we learn from this first man? Let's, get, let's put first, or Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6 back on the screen. You can see it there, or if you have it in your Bibles, you can turn to it, look at it. It's really important to see what the scriptures are saying. And so what, is, what do we learn from, that, from this man who is like a desert shrub? What do we learn? First word? He's cursed, right? We learn that he's cursed. He is cursed for what? Second line? He's trusting in man, right? He's cursed because he trusts in man. So we call it all kinds of things what, that are going on up above the ground here. He's cursed because he's trusting in man. And essentially, that is this root of this dead-looking heart of self. And he, this man is trusting in man. He's trusting in himself, looking at the root of man, not in trusting in God. So thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So let's draw one of these. This is epic right here. Look at this. Shout it out. What is it? Oh, see? Look how good I'm. A this is amazing. All right. So we got words. All right. Words. Pages. All right. Pages. All right. That's beautiful. This is, what, this is what this man does. He doesn't, he trusts in himself. The word is always, like I've already said, the word is there. God is first. Not man. God is first. God is the creator. He spoke things into existence. So he has suppressed this. Romans 1, 18 to 23. I've got this somewhere on my iPad here. Let me read it for us. Romans 1, 18 to 23. You can turn it in your Bibles if you're fast enough. It says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They've taken this out. Suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Right? What is plain to them? It says it in that text. Attributes of God. Right? Verse 20, it says, For the, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. No excuses. They've suppressed this. They've began to trust in themselves. And they've produced themselves as a dead shrub in the garden, in the, in the desert. They've, they've got no sustenance because this is what? The river of life the bread of life, right? Jesus himself said, man does not live on bread alone, but by the every word of God, right? By the very words of God, he lives. And so in verse 
uh, 22 of Romans chapter 1, it says, claiming to be wise, so they're claiming wisdom, which, man, isn't this our world? I claim wisdom, but I don't believe in God. Well, the Bible says that's foolishness. Claiming to be wise, they become fools and exchange the glory of the mortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. All right, so we have this dead shrub, right? Cursed is this man. What else do we learn about this man? Makes, so in verse 5, you can see it here. Let's turn to that verse 5. We learn on the screen there. Click it. There it is. He's cursed. He trusts man. He makes flesh his strength. So he's turning towards the flesh rather than towards the Lord. He suppressed the truth. And he turns away from the Lord, forgetting and even ignores God. And in verse 6, the next slide we learn, in verse 6, he is like a shrub in the desert, which is what? Dry, produces no fruit, right? I'm not sure if anybody's driven through Montana or Utah or Saskatchewan in the heat of the summer, like in August. Every once in a while, you'll see a tumbleweed go through, right? So on our road trips, we went through Utah, like through the desert lands, and our AC kicked out. This is a side story. Our AC kicked out, and it was brutally hot. We got some pictures that are hilarious. The wind's blowing the girls, and they can't even see because it was so deathly hot in our car. But every once in a while, I would say, hey, if there's a tumbleweed across, I'm going to try and hit it with the car because it's so cool because it just explodes, and it's just like dust. It's so dry, and it's just tumbling through. Any wind will just pick this thing up and blow it along, and if you hit it with your car, it's amazing to see. It just, go, it just explodes into dust. And so this is this shrub, it's dry, no fruit, doesn't produce any shelter for others. Secondly, it is blinded from good. See, when you, worship self, when you worship self, you become a navel gazer. All you're doing is looking at yourself for the strength. You're looking at, not towards God, you've suppressed God, you've, you've denied him. Now you're looking towards yourself. You become the river of life, which is dried up desert land. And, and we know this, right? We feel this. When we turn away from the Lord and we try to get things on our own strength... What happens? We may get joy for a season, but it dies out. And we look to that again, and it dies out. And we look to that again, and it dies out. We look to that again, and it dies out. And it actually leads us towards death. See, when you have a self-centered mentality, self-centered life, And when you are leaning in on your strength and your power and your might, you are denying the true source of life and you will witness about this stuff. You will fellowship. Isolate from others, but fellowship with others in the same boat. Using other people to serve your gain. We see this around us, do we not? using other people to serve yourself, you will flee, or not flee temptation, but draw towards it, because what does temptation do? Just like in Adam and Eve, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you. Pride of life. This is the fruit that you will produce. Pride of life, lust of flesh, lust of eyes. Wants, desires, 
needs. This is what you are obedient to. You're obedient to this because you're serving this. It's all about you. And this is what we've been learning over these nine weeks. We've been learning the opposite of what this is. But I want to show us what our tendency towards life is on this planet is this. Since Adam and Eve. Our tendency is to suppress the Lord. Our tendency is to walk away from truth, like capital T truth, and make up our own truth. But it just makes sense. If everybody's making up their own truth, you can't have two truths. You can have one truth coming from the Lord. Right? So he is like a shrub in the desert. He is blinded from good. You are all about your wants, your needs, your desires. You're about the lust of the flesh, your pride of life, lust of eyes. And his dwelling is in the wilderness, isolation from community of others and of God. And we are about obedience. We're about serving ourselves. So what this is, is I'm going to serve my kingdom. And my kingdom is going to constantly serve this, which is going to constantly serve this. And what this is, is a cycle. Oops. L. Cycle of folly. Leading towards death. It's the suppression of truth. For the wages of your sin is death. Over and over we say this. Over and over. Because it, it's the starting point where we need to see what we've done to the Lord. The truth of God. And we see this in the scripture. So what can we expect from disobeying God? A whole bunch of verses in a row here. Deuteronomy 28, 15. What can we expect from disobeying to living this way? Deuteronomy 28, 15 says, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Now it's incredibly important to realize and to hear this. Look on the verse on the screen. It's it seems like it's talking about obedience first and then things will go good for you. But you've got to remember, you will be cursed if you go towards these things. God is saying you need to remember me. That's why I started with the big idea. Faith in him first produces obedience. When you live this way, you are obedience first and essentially you are living in a works-based religion. You're working in a works-based religion. Joshua 1.18 says, Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. This is Joshua and the people going into the promised land and they're, they're recommitting their, their covenant to the Lord and they're reminding each other of like, we need to obey God and they're all, say, they're all saying, yes, we will do it. And if you don't, you will be like a desert shrub that produces death. In Ephesians 5, 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So what can you expect? You will experience the wrath of God. Hebrews 4, 13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's a big one. That's a tough one. And again, it says in Matthew 12, same kind of thing. For out of the abundance of the heart... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're living in this mode of selfishness, of self-gain, you will bring forth evil. 
And that's exactly what the scriptures say here. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, if you're living towards this, will bring forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account. Man, this has got to like, humble us a little bit, sober us up. Every person, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. In the final days, you will give, be held account for all that you have done. In John 15, 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me and he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned, so you will be judged by a holy God and your wisdom and strength will, be do, will do nothing for you because it is by faith that you have denied Jesus and worship man. Faith that you have denied Jesus and worship self. It's about a self-kingdom. See, so what can we expect? Four things, just that I, there's so much more, but these four things are incredibly powerful. Out of the verses I just read, you can expect to be cursed, you can expect eternal death, you can expect wrath of God, and you can expect perfect judgment, perfect righteous judgment. So friend, if you are here this morning, and maybe you've gone to church all your life, and you've never seen something like this, this helps me. Draw out the scripture and going, man, if I, am I living for myself? If I suppress the truth, like this week, yeah. Have I, have I sought out my wants, my needs, my desires outside of the scripture? This is sobering. It ought to sober all of us. We are all on this side together from the cross. Jesus is the only perfect one. So yes, all of us have lived this way. We've walked in disobedience and we have something beautiful and that's coming. And that's coming. See, going towards this thing and seeking out your own pleasures, you gotta start asking yourself, like when is it gonna get old? Like the nine to five. Getting up, going to work, coming home, going to sleep, doing it all over again. Is that it? Is that our life? To live in that direction. So over these nine weeks, I've been trying to help us see the foundations of Christianity. And one of those is witnessing, declaring, proclaiming. We have been given a task by the holy God of heaven, given his word to us to live it out in all ways to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. Our life should be so picking exciting it shouldn't be a nine to five grind it should be excitement of actually proclaiming the goodness of jesus christ so this is what our life should be look like and so here's a little bit of a sub point here it is incredibly important to see and know that obedience doesn't come first and i want to keep hitting this point over and over again because it's incredibly important because i don't want you to hear works-based religion this here is works-based religion the Bible says something different. So it is faith that comes first and out of your faith, obedience. So according to Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6 and all other religions of this world, if obedience to law comes first, sparking the pleasure of self, you are believing in a false God and you are in works-based religion. So you are constantly serving your felt needs, hoping for a different result, hoping one day you will get some sort of ultimate pleasure. And that ultimate pleasure that, that you will get is eternal death. It's, it's, that's what you're seeking after. 
So obedience is not first, but it is necessary. And let me show you through some scripture. All right, so 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. It says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Who does holiness start with? Start with God. It starts with him. A faith and a belief and understanding of him. Then we are called to holiness. So not obedience first, faith and hearing first. Living out of God's holiness and what he has called us to. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12 says, To this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it starts with God. His will, his power, his grace. Right? His calling, his power, his grace. Romans 1, 5 is a, is a big one. Romans is packed with this. Romans is packed with this, and it's so interesting. We, we met as men this Saturday, and we were talking about maybe walking through the book of Romans together. Can't wait for this. This is huge grace, huge gospel, huge obedience in, in throughout Romans. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience, obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. What is Paul saying here? He's saying we've received grace first and foremost. We've, we've received grace. Good, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we might be trained up to go out into all the world and all the nations to share the good news of him. That's the task. It says right here, right? We've received grace and apostleship, bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. Again, witnessing, proclaiming. See, again, in Romans six sixteen, it says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, like get this, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, the cycle of folly here, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness, fruit, right standing with the Lord. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Romans 9, 30 to 32. This is a huge one. This is Paul questioning, what shall we say then? Talking about the Gentiles and the Israelites. This is a really important te uh, text to understand. That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, so they were gifted it, not by anything they did. That is a righteousness that is by faith, so not by works. But they believed it. They believed it. But that Israel who pursued a law, Ten Commandments, that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they thought of it as works. If I just do these laws that God said, then he was going to be pleased with me. Obedience first. They switched it. They turned it into a law of works. So they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. Romans 14, 23, just the end of it, it says, for whatever does not proceed from faith in Jesus Christ is sin. So I'm setting this up here to change the diagram. We got we to gotta see Christ first. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please the Lord. You will see this in your life. You're constantly running up against wall, brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. In your life, why isn't my life working the way I want it to work? Maybe check your faith and who you're putting your faith and trust in. 
Are you putting your faith and trust in yourself or are you putting your faith and trust in Jesus? Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. So I'm going to ask Eleanor to come back up and read two more verses, verses 7 and 8. And I'm going to do my best to erase this in time. saving myself some time here. Keep that up on the screen. So we see the scripture on the screen. Okay, so what do we learn from this man? Well, we got a tree out of the living water. The river of life is in full effect now. River of life. The bread of life. Feeding and rooted into your faith in Jesus. This is a Christ-centered life. This is a spirit-filled life. This is the attributes of God. This is the Bible. His very word given to us. We're now opened up through Jesus Christ, the allowance of prayer. Directly, directed to the Father. And now we have birthed a beautiful tree. What do we learn from this man? What do we learn from this man? What's that first word? He's blessed. He's blessed. Why? Because he's putting his faith first He's rooted his life into the very words of God. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's blessed. We have the river of life, life like a tree planted by the water, right? A tree planted in the desert has big roots and you don't really see a whole lot of flush trees when there's no river around. Right? And so now you've planted by the river of life sustenance, everything under here. Remember, it's out of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, life happens. So the things that you see yourself doing, it's coming from your heart. So if there's anger coming out of you, anger's here. It starts here. If you have frustration coming out of you, it's something going on in your heart. You're putting your faith and your trust in something else. So blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water. So again, this is faith. He he's tied into the life source of the word of God. This is what we learn from this man. The strength comes not from the tree, but the life source of water that nourishes the tree. So often we look at the tree, don't we? And we go, wow, look at the tree. But the tree is a reflection of what's going on inside of this man. A fruitful tree is a blessing to others as a source of comfort and rest and refuge away from the heat of trials and suffering. 
not only to themselves, but to other people. This is part of the fruit, right? Friends, this is the church. Our love for one another ought to look like this. It ought to look like, man, I love you and care for you, and I will do things for you. I want to spread my loving branches, the gifts that God has given me through faith, through obedience, through the fruit of the Spirit, that I might actually nurture your faith and help you and come walk alongside you. This is the leaves remain green. This is what we learn. And if you are outside the church or merely listening online, you are missing out on the grace and the love that we have for one another here. And you're missing out. You're missing out. That's why we gather as the church, to lift one another up and encourage one another and sing songs to one another. It also says, it says, not, not anxious in the times of drought, So the times that you might feel far, where does the drought happen? It doesn't happen underground here. The drought happens up here. This is trials, suffering, attacking into into the base of the tree. And we don't suffer. Why? Because the roots are underground, tied into the river of life. So not anxious in the times of drought, the times that you might feel far from the Lord. He has promised us that he is actually really, really near. He says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you hold on to that promise of obedience by way of faith. By way of faith. So what can we expect from obeying God? We can expect to be blessed. We can expect to be blessed. To live and tied into the fruit of life, we can be blessed. Secondly, we can look through where it says in John 3, 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Whoever has faith in Jesus will gain eternal life. So what can we expect from obeying God? Secondly, to not just be planted by the river of life, but have the river of life within us. And we talked about this being in the spirit-filled life a few weeks ago. In John 7, 38, it says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Whoever believes in me, starts with faith in the word of God. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart, out of your heart, will flow living water to nourish other people, to encourage other people, to undergird other people. Because we get vertically all the love of Christ and we get to pass it on to other people. Love God, love others. The two commandments that Jesus left us with. So your words, your actions, your life, when saturated by the words of God, will be life to you and to others. And this is where I need to be as tall as Corey. Oh, man, I'm going to stretch it out, all right? So let's go. I'm just going to go like this. There's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Help me out. Fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Oh, you guys are in order, too. Patience, nice. 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 Well, we missed one. Let's go. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness over here. That's gent. And self-control. All right. The fruit of the Spirit. Faith in the Word of God brings forth Obedience, Christ-centered life, John 15, abiding in him, producing fruit, Galatians 
5, 22, 23. And we, what? We witness. We fellowship. And we flee temptation. Anybody raw last week? Renounce and announce and worship, right? We're fleeing temptation. Renounce, announce, and worship. And then we, all of this up above the ground here is obedience. And this, my friends, live out of this to this to this back to this. This is the the gain of this is eternal life and the cycle of wisdom. Very different from the cycle of folly. It will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faith, hearing by the word of God, producing a faith in you, a belief in him and what he has done on the cross for us, that he's come to pay for your sin, to die for your sin, the thing, the penalty that you do not have to pay anymore. He dies in full for it. And if you believe and trust in his life, death, and resurrection, that you too will be saved. And that faith will bring forth obedience because without obedience, with obedience first, faith is just fiction. It's just a fictional thing. So faith produces obedience and obedience produces the fruit. So what can we expect from obeying God that will produce fruit? John 15, four and five says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Heading back down this way produces the power this way. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember that breaker right here, Romans 1? If you do not have Christ, your works, the things that you pursue, will do nothing for you. Look up 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and read through that. About midway through that chapter, you'll see all your works will burn up like chaff. All of it. And you'll t be tested by the refining fire of the Lord's judgment. And only the eternal things will last. So our nine to five, what are we doing it for? Money in our pocket? Picket fence? What are we doing it for? If we don't live our lives for the glory and the purpose of serving the Lord, then it is just going to get burned up. So now what? Obedience first trends towards law bringing death. Obedience rooted in faith, and that faith rooted in the living word of God brings lasting eternal fruit. Now what? Well, practically, what does this look like for you and I? Well, I'm not sure if you noticed, but these are the things that we've talked about these last few weeks. 
assurance of salvation, attributes of God, the Bible, we've got prayer, we've got spirit-filled life, we've got Christ-centered life, we've got fleeing temptation, fellowship, witnessing, and now this week, obedience. Foundations of your faith. Foundations of a Christian walk. Foundations of a life lived out for his glory. This is why I wanted to take us through discipleship. To disciple us towards Christ-likeness. Towards remembering that it all starts with faith in him. And out of faith in him produces life. For you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and you believe and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. Putting everything here and out of that faith produces a Christ-centered life and obedience to him and fruit will grow. So practically, I've given you a lot over these last nine weeks to live out all the one another's that we see in scripture. That's what we do. And it'll take me days to line them all out so i encourage you as my faithful followers of jesus christ brothers and sisters seek out the words of god find out those love one another's those encourage one another's those admonish one another's those those one another's in scripture i think there's like a hundred of them these are what we are called now to abide in why because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, that he is our hope, he is our life, first through faith. And why do we wanna do this? Because I can't let, and I don't want anyone not to know about Jesus' the hope in Jesus Christ. That's what's meaning. These nine to five days, the coworkers, the family members, the people in your neighborhood, if they don't know Jesus, they're going to be a dried up shrub heading towards death. We need to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's why our core values are evangelism, discipleship, and community. We need to live with one another, helping and training up one another towards Christ-likeness. This is what we're called to. And we're called to obedience cookies are so good right the sim these are simple ones to just go you know what I can abide in the creator of those cookies and be obedient not to touch them for a couple weeks but you know what there's going to be bigger ones coming church there's going to be bigger things that we're called to obedience in like gathering as the church when we're told not to. Like standing up for marriage between one man and one woman, no exceptions. Like standing up for those kids that are misinformed and have delusions of mind that are choosing to change something that they cannot change. There's going to be more attacks on the church. There's going to be things like killing of babies. 
in the womb to taking people's lives before they're called to be gone to the Lord. There's going to be things that we as the church have to stand up for and shout out of the word of God, proclaim truth and life and help people see the beauty of the creator. And so cookies, these are the easy ones. Are we going to be obedient to the harder ones that are coming? Jesus warns us that there's going to be more persecution within the church. Liberal theology, swaying to maybe make people feel good within the church rather than actually living out what the scriptures say. More and more is coming. Are we going to be a faithful ministry to stand on the word of God and look to it first and foremost? I want you to help me be accountable to that as I want you to be accountable to it. Can we do that together? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your love and your grace for us. I thank you for your amazing gifts of faithfulness and compassion and love that blows my mind. And I pray, Lord, for uh, my fellow brothers and sisters that they will devote themselves to love, that they devote themselves to seeking, seeking your kingdom over their own, that we will be faithful followers of you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. And help us in this time now, like when, when there's time that we know we failed, help us be faithful in confessing and believing in the truths of 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, I am faithful to, con- to, to forgive you your, about, of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So help us, Lord, in this time of response now to be faithful, to confess our sin, to, to see that where we've fallen short in obedience to you and our faith to you and, and be honest because one day we will stand before you and have to have an account to what we've said and what we've done. And Lord, may, may, we, may you change us this morning and the days to come. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name, amen.